0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Page
1: 349, essay number 4 which is the longest single uh, essay or chapter in the whole Tanya all five parts of the Tanya and may say one of the most complex so on page 349 the second paragraph 349
0: as to the statement in Eitz Chayim and in Shear at Yehudim that through intention a neshama garment is formed and through Torah study a ruach of ruach garment of Yitzira is formed through the study of Mishnah which derives from Yitzira, and a ruach of neshama garment of Berea is formed through Gemara which derives from Berea it would thus seem that Torah precipitates a garment of Ruach which is a created
1: being we learned earlier that the nefesh and Ruach that's created the neshama that's the divine that's godly and uh, Torah is neshama, is godly versus the angel and the souls that are created, they're created beings and even though they may be mystical and intense but it's all created and you can't you can't, it's not on the same level it's not divine it's not godly no matter how spiritual you are no matter how mystical you are no matter how you're still created and disconnected and there's nothing you can do to bridge that gap versus when you study Torah you study the divine words you study the divine Torah you're connected with Hashem and here it says clearly in the Kabbalah that when you study uh, Mishnah you you um, a garment of the level of ruach is formed. And when you study the Talmud, the Gemara, a, uh, a garment of ruach, of neshama, of b'riah is formed. So again, it's the level of created beings. And we just said that Torah remains divine and remains godly even when it passes through, even when it comes through and it discusses physical, material things, it's just passing through but essentially it retains its essential uh, identity, which is godly and divine. And here we're saying, no, that it's on the level of Ruach, and, and uh, which is created. And that's what he's going to come to answer now. This can be understood. This can be
0: understood as referring only to Torah-studied man and this world as it ascends above. It then becomes a garment of Ruach, since it derives from created man. So he's
1: distinguishing between the Talmud, itself, the Torah itself. The Torah itself is divine. But the person who's learning Torah, when the human being who's learning Torah, so his studying of Torah could only ascend to the level of, of, of Ruach. So you create a garment which is, which is created because it comes through man's word. not talking about the Torah itself. The Torah itself is divine. The Torah itself is God's will and God's wisdom. But when a human being learns Torah, this is a human activity. So you're creating a garment from the level of ruach.
0: The Talmud itself that was given at Sinai, i.e. the Torah as it was given from above, is at the level of neshama, which is a degree of divinity. Therefore, it, the study of the Talmud, refines ruach. So too with Mishnah of as it was given from above at Sinai, it too
1: is of the degree of neshama. But when a person studies it, then you you refine, you reach the level of ruach. So that's one answer. But it's not the simple meaning of the the Kabbalah. The simple meaning of the Kabbalah is that when you study Torah, you reach the level of the studying of Torah, the Mishnah, the studying of the Talmud, the Gemara, helps you reach the level of ruach of uh, Yitzira, in the case of the Mishnah, or the level of ruach and Bria, in the case of Gemara. So it means that's the level of the Torah The level of Torah takes you as far as Ruach of, of Yetzirah or of Bria But not higher So the Torah is on that level How could you say that the Torah is on the level of Ruach Which is created when Torah remains divine So that's what he's going to answer now And he's going to explain
0: even if it be suggested that even what was given from above at Sinai is at the level of Ruah and Riyah with even so, it is not like an independent creative entity, but rather like an emissary who merely
1: expresses the power of his prince. Now he's going to introduce the concept in the Torah. We have a concept of a shliach. You know, the Rebbe's, this is the Rebbe's revolution, the shluchim. The concept of a shliach is shliach adam kemose. A shliach is an agent that represents the principle. And he becomes a true representative. You have different levels of shliach, different levels of agency. Also in alacha. Are you just a representative? Does your action represent the, the principle? Or on a higher level, that you yourself are like a substitute for the principal. So you can say the agent is a separate individual, a separate person from the principal, but legally, I can do an act on behalf of the principal, the one who's sending it. But we are two separate entities. On a higher level, the ultimate level, is that the emissary, the agent, actually represents becomes the principle he is in place of the principle therefore when he does something it's not him that's doing it it's the principle that's doing it because why am I here I'm only here because I'm your agent you send me So I become like a, an expression of you so I am just so it's like you're doing it so on the lowest level the principle is a part a separate a separate entity a separate human being but legally, when I do something, I could, my actions could represent you. Or you can say that what I, what I am doing, it's as if you're doing it. But on a, on a deeper level, I am like you. I am substituting you. I am replacing you. It's as if you were standing here and now you are that person. Therefore, when I am doing something, it's not me that's doing it. You're doing it. I'm just here because I'm your agent. So my whole being, my whole presence here is nothing other than to represent you. So I am you therefore when I did something it's not me that did it you did it so how you can become a shliach an agent to represent someone when the shliach does the mitzvah it's as if you did the mitzvah you can make an agent to marry you send an agent to give the ring (laughs) (laughs) you know the comedian says I was married before a judge I should have asked for a jury (laughs) But allahically, you, you can give the ring. Send an agent to give the ring to your wife. And you're considered married. I wasn't even there. I didn't do anything. No. The agent represents you. And when he gave the ring, you're giving the ring. So in mitzvot, we have the concept, or in business, we have the concept of a shliach, an agent, who represents you. So here he's describing the highest level of agency. So the agent is a separate human being. He's not you. And yet, legally, halachically, he's considered like you. The power of eternity. eternity. I don't know how it works in in American legal law. To what extent? It's full. It's full? You make all the decisions. decisions. Okay. A shaliyach, an agent, is an independent thinker and you rely on him. But again, only if he represents you fairly In Jewish law If you tell him to go right and he went left He no longer represents you Because he didn't do what you wish If he doesn't do what you want him to do He's he's only an extension of you if he's doing 100% 100% He doesn't veer one iota From what you asked him to do The moment he's independent He's not doing what you want him to do He no longer represents you But if he is doing what he wants you to do Then he is in your place He's totally in your place So with that concept Al-Rebbe is going to explain He says we find the same thing As with angels Angel is an emissary He's an agent He's Hashem's agent Hashem's representative So when the angel Is doing what Hashem wants him to do When Hashem sends the angel on a mission The angel becomes A representative of Hashem and therefore the angel could speak in the name of Hashem and that's what we find in the Torah is going to say that the angels are called Hashem's name how could you call an angel a human a a being a created being a spiritual being but a created being how could you call an angel Hashem's name the divine name because when the angel is, is on a mission at that moment he doesn't represent himself he is representative of Hashem so that moment he becomes like divine. Even though he's a separate being, a created being, an angel, and he'll never be God, but when he's he's on a mission and he's fulfilling the divine mission, at that moment he's nothing other than representing Hashem. His being becomes divine at that moment. If that's true of an angel, how much more so it's true of Torah. So when the Torah comes into the world of creation of the world of formation on the level of Ruach the Talmud, the Mishnah so even though it's created it's a level of a created being but at that moment it becomes divine and godly
0: it is known that every angel that is an emissary from above is literally called at that time by the name of Hashem which then dwells with it. however when he's not a messenger he has some other name according to his manner of service then he proclaims holy, holy, holy is Hashem, meaning that the name of Hashem is separate from him. For the word Kodesh, holy, implies
1: separate. So usually an angel is not Hashem. Anyone who bows down to an angel or prays to an angel, it's idolatry. An angel, as spiritual, and as sublime as the angel is, is a, a spiritual being, it's a created being, it's an entity with a consciousness, with a self, with a limit. And Hashem is removed. The angel recognizes Hashem is transcends me. Hashem is beyond me. Hashem is above me. But when the angel is fulfilling Hashem's mission, at that moment, you can call him by Hashem's name, because he's nothing other than a representation of Hashem. Well, that's their name all the time. Yes. But no. That means they're connected to Hashem. They yearn to be close to Hashem. But we find in the Torah that they're called Hashem. <laughs> when when they're actually in the midst of doing a, doing a mission. Only then.
0: Like the guy who visited, the angel who visited Abraham. Uh, you know, when he was... Uh, right. Right.
1: Uh, well, ha- Hashem, their... Either it means my master, and he's referring because he didn't know they were angels, so they, they appeared to be like people. So he wasn't calling them gods. Either it means my master, or it means he was talking to Hashem. Yes, yes. So Hashem he put Hashem on hold. No, Malach Hashem is just an, an emissary of Hashem. But there are times in the Torah when the angel itself is called, um, like when Av- Avram saw the angel. He says, "I saw God." So he didn't see God, but when the angel was there on the mission, the angel sent him with a mission, with a message from Hashem. So at that moment, when he's fulfilling his mission, he's not an angel.
0: It's like with, um, with Yaakov at the ladder.
1: No, there he saw angels. But when, when the angel is fulfilling Hashem's mission, it's not about the angel. That's not what the angel is about. At that moment, what is the angel all about? I am just here to represent Hashem. So I'm I'm a representative at that moment. So when I look at the body, I see you. I don't see the body. I mean, I'm looking at the body, but I'm looking at you. When the angel is, is fulfilling Hashem's mission, it's not the angel, it's Hashem that's working through the angel. So I see Hashem. It's Hashem. Like he said earlier, it's like you're passing through. The finger is writing. The, the idea is, is just tr- transferring through the finger. But it's not the finger, it's, what's, it's the idea. So when the angel is fulfilling its mission, it's not the angel. I don't see an angel. I'm not looking at the angel. The angel doesn't matter. The angel is nothing. The angel is nothing other, that moment is nothing other but representing Hashem. But when a king welcomes an ambassador, he's not welcoming the ambassador, he's welcoming the king. The ambassador is representing the king. He's representing, it's not him, it, 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 he's just a representation. That's all he is. When the angel is fulfilling his mission, he's just a representation. It's, what, what is he all about at that moment he's all, all about just what he represents not what he is so all I see is what he's representing so at that moment you can, the Torah can call him God it's not, it's not you it's at that moment you are representing Hashem so it's Hashem you're just an, an angel, an emissary an, an, uh, an agent to represent Hashem at this moment, only at that moment when he actually has a specific mission, not angels in general. If you call an angel God in general, that's idolatry. How much more so a human being? Angels meditate 24 7, don't stop for coffee breaks, and don't sleep. They meditate for thousands of years. They're spiritual, they're sublime. Our understanding is nothing. Our spiritual experience, no matter how deep and how spiritual and how mystical, it's a, it's a caricature in comparison to what an angel experiences. An angel is so much greater. So if we, if, we, if we call an angel God, it's idolatry. If you think a human being is a God, it's idolatry. But at that moment, when the angel is fulfilling his divine mission, at that moment, it's not him. Not about the angel. It's about what he represents. It's about Hashem. I see Hashem. I don't see the angel. I'm looking at the angel. I'm dealing with the angel, but I, I'm dealing with Hashem directly. Hashem is clearly directly working through the angel at that moment, in a revealed way. He has an open mission. Hashem sends him on a specific mission. At that moment, while he's fulfilling the mission, he represents Hashem at all. So at that moment, it's divine. Like when the angel, right? When the angel spoke to Avram and told him, don't touch Yitzchak. How can he override? Hashem himself told him to slaughter Yitzchak, to offer Yitzchak as a sacrifice. Who is he going to listen to? The angel or Hashem? But the angel was giving a message from Hashem. It wasn't an angel speaking, overriding Hashem. Don't listen to Hashem, don't do it. The angel was a messenger. Hashem, sent an angel. We of going and an angel from heaven, from Hashem, told him, I've been stop. Used for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the world says, why in the beginning? Why did Hashem tell him directly, not through an angel, to offer his son? When it came to save his son, he just sent a message with an angel. The answer is to save a Jew, even an angel is good enough. Hashem could send the message. But to harm a Jew, <laughs> only Hashem himself has to speak to you and tell you offer your son as a sacrifice that can come through angels so an angel in general is a very spiritual being and he's but only we're talking about specifically when the angel is fulfilling a divine message uh, a mission at that moment the angel is just a vehicle for the divine he's just a, the, even though he's a he's a created entity but that's the power of agency. The power of agency that at that moment, the agent, even though he's a separate being, stands in your place. So the angel, even though the angels are created being, at that moment the angel represents Hashem. The angel is like becomes a conduit for Hashem. That's why in the Torah you can be called with Hashem's name at that, that moment, only at that moment. Not before and not a minute after. Only at that moment when he's fulfilling that divine mission. So how much more so the Torah the Torah are Hashem's messengers. The Torah and the mitzvah, these are my messengers. These are Hashem's messengers. So even if the Torah has come down into the world of creation, formation, and the level of ruach, which is the level of the created world, created being, created energy, but at that moment, they are, like in the case of the angels, they are Hashem's messengers. So therefore, what I'm, what they represent is not the level of the created being. What they represent is the divine. So therefore, I'm touching the divine, even though it's only on the level of the created being. But that level is at that moment just is representing Hashem, the divine, the Torah, and the Jewish people also call the shluchim the emissaries of Hashem, the agents of Hashem. We represent Hashem.
2: We see that it is entirely possible for a created being to be formed by the net of actual divinity. Exactly this is the case with the investment of the family in the Ruach state of Brea and the Mishnah in the Ruach of Yitzhak, Ruach being a created being. Are the messenger of gardening vessel of Yitzhak, of Atsibut the external vessel in Tarnu and the intermediate vessel in Vishnu. For the Vishnu and Tarnu that are within them, within the ruach of Bria and Yitzhira, issue from the soul of Abba, which receive influence from Kothma, stigma of Arif and pin, from Kuchramash of Keter, in which discloses the end soft of light. The result is that it feels like maybe the name of God abadis in the Ruach of Briah Itzira and uh, Asiyah, it's Picture, and, and Talmud.
1: So the level of Torah, which is in the world of creation, the world of formation, the level of Ruach, are like the agents. They are the agents of a level of Malchut, which is rooted in the level of wisdom, which is rooted in the level of the higher wisdom of Keter, which is the which which uh, reflects the infinite. So they are like agents, the agents of Hashem. So every word in the Talmud, every word in the Mishnah, they're like the agents representing the infinite. So when you study the Talmud, you study the Mishnah, even though you're studying something seemingly from the level of the created being, and this is all logical and rational, and it's dealing with the world that we understand. But these words of Torah are actually agents and emissaries and representatives of the infinite light. Therefore, you're connecting with the divine. So I'm not just reaching the level. When it says in the Kabbalah, when I study Mishnah, I'm studying Talmud, I'm reaching the level of Ruach. I'm not just reaching the level of Ruach. I'm reaching the level of Ruach where, where they represent the infinite, where they are the agents of the infinite, of Hashem. So I'm touching the divine. So either way, when you study Torah, you're touching the divine. And that's only through studying Torah. Not through meditation, and not through mysticism, and not through Kabbalah, and not through Zohar, and not through all of that. The only way you can really touch the Divine is when you're studying the Torah, the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Halacha. That's how you touch the influence. Not through meditation. That's why prayer is not enough. And meditation is not enough. Mysticism is not enough The mystical experience The prophetic experience The divine experience It's not divine It's human That's human That's limited That's created You cannot touch the divine You can meditate forever and ever You'll never touch the divine You won't even get near You won't even get close You can delude yourself But you're not even close When you study Torah The words of Hashem Whether it's Mishnah Or Chumash Or Gemara Halacha, you are touching the infinite, you're touching the divine. And not only you're touching the infinite, you're drawing down the infinite. You're bringing the infinite into this world. Which is going to say, this is the whole purpose of creation. That's the difference between prayer and Torah. In prayer, we're trying to be elevated, we're trying to go up, we're trying to climb, to ascend, to become more spiritual, to become more genuine, to become deeper, to become more sincere. To get closer Climbing the mountain To get closer to heaven But when you study Torah Just like the very first time God gave the Torah God came down the mountain The whole point of Torah Is bringing God down the mountain Bringing God and godliness And the divine into this world And that's the whole purpose of creation That's the whole purpose Why God created the world In the first place If it's all about ascending He doesn't need us Angels do a much better job Than we'll ever do So who needs your meditation and your spirituality? What are you accomplishing? What are you doing? The greatest level you reach is is nothing. Is a tiny nothing in comparison. Insignificant in comparison to the level of the angels. Or to the level of the soul before it came down into this world. So what what are you doing? What, What do you accomplish? What's the point? What's the purpose? For this you have to have this traumatic experience of the soul coming down into this world with all the pain and suffering and, and the risk involved it's a risky business it's a gamble the soul comes down to this world and you can lose everything you take the wrong turn or make foolish decisions and you're bankrupt spiritually on every level it's a gamble or you can do the right thing you can become a billionaire or you can lose everything or you can gain everything so why go through this whole thing? If it's all about just ascending and meditating and tuning in and tuning out and going off the mountaintop Hashem has plenty of angels in this universe He doesn't need another few angels The whole point and the whole purpose of creation why Hashem created the whole universe including the angels and the souls and the spiritual realms and higher levels of consciousness and higher dimensions, it's only because he wanted a dwelling place for himself in this world, he wanted us to draw the light down, to bring the light of Hashem down into us. How do we accomplish that? There's only one way: by studying Torah, and studying the Mishnah, and studying the Talmud, and studying Halach, and studying all 613 mitzvot, which deals with every single aspect of creation, of existence, from business to agriculture to social life to to civil law, to criminal law, to anything. There isn't a single subject in the world, in the universe, that's not covered by the Torah and Alacha and the 613 Mitzvah. And it's only by studying it and studying it in depth and engaging in that study, we draw down the infant. Every time you learn a word of the Mishnah, every time you learn the Gemara, you're drawing down Hashem into this world. You're touching the divine and you're drawing Hashem down into this world.
2: And when a man studies, then he draws forth the infinite aims so of light into this world, so that it will be incorporated and nullified in the divine light, for this is all of man. The entire purpose of man's creation is to make the world become nullified in God's light, and this is accomplished through Torah study.
1: So God created the world, and the world is concealed, godliness is concealed and by studying Torah we draw down the infinite light into this limited finite world the world remains finite and limited and by studying Torah we draw that infinite light into this this finite limited world like a paradox it's like a, a mission impossible the world remains a finite limited world and by studying Torah, you're illuminating the world. You're drawing down this infinite light into this world, which deals with every single aspect of creation, every single aspect of this world. So when you're studying Torah, you're studying about it, you're actually illuminating it and drawing down Hashem into that reality.
0: This was the spiritual service of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and of all the
2: Tanaim and the studying the Torah the aspect of the
1: Torah. Why did they spend so much time studying the revealed aspect of the Torah more than they spend time studying the mystical and the secrets of the Torah? Rabbi Shun Baichai, the author of the Zohar, overwhelming majority of his time he spent studying the revealed part of the Torah, not the mystical, even though he was, he wrote the Bible of Jewish mysticism. And yet most of his time was occupied and engaged in studying the revealed part, the halach. Why?
0: to call forth the divine life within this world and to effect the purifications of
1: The shell, the shell that covers up. It's the shell, like the shell of the fruit that covers up in the inside. So this world, the material, the physical, covers up in the inside. You look at a tree, you don't see the divine creator. I see a beautiful tree. You look at this world, it doesn't shout out, it doesn't look at Hashem, look at my creator. It shouts out, look at me. Self-preservation, ego. All I see is an independent entity. It doesn't point its finger to to Hashem, anything godly. So it's a cover-up. It's a a shell that covers up and the inside. So everything in this world is a cover-up. The truth is from the inside that Hashem is constantly recreating the world we're nothing other than the divine energy that's constantly recreating us we're dynamic we're vibrant we're godly that's our substance that's our essence we don't see that all I see is a very dark opaque confused world that's disconnected that doesn't sense godliness it doesn't, it's not palpable it's not transparent it's not tangible it's Ego is very transparent, very powerful. Ego is very
0: powerful.
1: Yes, and that's a cover-up. Covers up. Covers up on the inside. So much so that most people throw out the fruit and munch on the shell. Munch on the they munch on the ego. They throw out Hashem and all they do is munch on the shell. And then they wonder why they have stomach aches and they're sick. <laughs> <laughs> you threw out the fruit. So how do you, how do you fix it? By studying Torah. When we study Torah, we're lighting up the world. We are refining the world. We are transforming the world. We are changing the world. The Torah has an impact on the world. It's not just you're sitting in this room and studying Torah. And the darkness and the confusion of the world that's out there remains untouched. No. When we are studying Torah, we have the power through the study of Torah to shed light to draw down light, to draw down the infinite light. By studying Torah, which is divine, we are drawing down and we're studying all the physical things. The Torah deals with everything that's physical. When we are studying the Mishnah, studying the Halacha, we're dealing with the physical, we are drawing down this infinite light into this reality. So that's the power of Torah. It's the power of a Jew studying Torah, especially the great rabbis, Rabbi Shimon the rabbis of the Mishnah and the Talmud, they were so powerful when they studied Torah, they changed the world with the power of the Torah.
2: Throughout the entire period of the exile, the time of dominion of the tree of good and
0: evil, for the life force of this world derives from which is composed of both good and evil. As the verse states, the time that the evil man dominates the man of holiness. For this is the ultimate purpose of the chain of descent which brings the world into being, that the one above the sin and that there be a dwelling for him among the middlemost creatures. In order to elevate them, so that there will be one in one, that the one of the lower level of unity, Yehuda, Tata'ah, of the worlds of Bria, Yetzirah and Asiyah, be similar to the one of the higher level of unity.
1: So if you want to connect, someone is on the top, someone is on the bottom, how do you... you want to bring them together? How do you bring them together? The more difficult way is, the more difficult path is, the one on the bottom climbs to the top. How many people can make it to Mount Everest? How many people have the stamina? How many people have the courage, the strength, overcome their fears, overcome their limits, push themselves to the limit, to an extreme? A handful. You can count them on your... But the easier way is when the one on the top goes to the bottom. It's easier for him to come down. So, too, when you want to bring this world and unify, unite this world with the upper world, with the divine world, our disconnected world with the divine world, especially our lower world, which is the lowest world, this coarse, crass, physical, material, dense universe that we live in, tangible universe that we live in, which is all the way on the bottom of the rung, how do you unite and unify our world with the divine world? So the most powerful way is by drawing down from above to below. And that's the power of the Torah. The power of the Torah is that we can study Torah using our human mind. And we are dealing and discussing civil law and, 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 and uh, financial law. And we're dealing with things that we know, we're familiar with. The 630 mitzvot are all tangible and practical and physical. All the halachat deal with things that were tangible and physical. And when you study Torah and you're learning about all these things and you're dealing with all these things, you are drawing down the infinite light that remains infinite, that remains divine and godly. Even as we study it with the human logic and the human mind, they are essentially, inherently, innately godly and divine and infinite. And we are drawing it down in this very finite, limited space, which is our world, our realm. So you're drawing Hashem down into every detail of this universe, every detail of our reality, and every detail of this world and this illuminates this world and this changes this world and this transforms this world now this world has become a dwelling place a place that could receive and absorb the infinite without destroying this world that's the miracle of Torah that's the divine gift of Torah because otherwise spiritual and physical are opposites can you imagine if an angel revealed itself to you you, you would die. It would be overwhelming. When Samson's father saw the angel, he almost, he almost died. He couldn't handle it. Anything that's beyond our level, it, it will shatter us. It will break us. We're not, we're not vessels for it. We can't receive it. Take a first grader and, and, uh, grad, and send them off to third grade. They'll destroy him. He can't handle it. He's not ready for third grade. Take someone who's not ready for university and send them to university. You're not doing him any favors. You're destroying him. You'll destroy his self-esteem. You'll destroy his confidence. You'll destroy his mind. He'll never be able to... He's a broken person. He's shattered. Because it's totally way over his head. You're not doing him any favors. He can't handle it. And that's true of spirituality. Spirituality. How could we absorb the divine? How could we absorb something that's infinite and godly? Only Hashem could create paradoxes. Only Hashem could reconcile and bring together two opposites. Body and soul. Material and spiritual. The upper and the lower. Heaven and earth. Right and left. That's the Torah. The Torah was here to make peace. The whole purpose of the Torah, the theme of the Torah was shalom, to bring peace, to reconcile opposites. Heaven and earth, body and soul. Ego and faith, rational and faith. That's the power of the Torah. It's so powerful. Hashem oiz la'mayit, and Hashem gave us something that's so powerful. Hashem Yivari chesame vashol, and He blesses us with peace. The Torah has the power and the ability to reconcile. We remain finite and limited, the world without destroying this world. We remain firmly planted in this world, firmly, our feet firmly planted in this world, grounded, and at the same time, we are absorbing the infinite, Hashem. And every aspect of this world is receiving and absorbing the infinite through our Torah study. That's the power of a Jew studying Torah. We actually affect such a a change, not only a change, we accomplish the whole purpose of creation. We bring Hashem down into this world as is the infinite into the finite, The ultimate paradox and mystery and miracle and impossible, impossibility. The Torah is an impossible event. It's mission impossible. That's the mission of the Jew. That's the power of the Torah, the strength of the Torah. We can accomplish mission impossible. But that's only through studying Torah. There's nothing like studying of Torah. That's why most of the time of these great rabbis was engaged and occupied in studying Torah and the revealed part of the Torah. Because only by studying the halacha and the nitty-gritty and the laws and the mitzvot and all the mission and the gemara and the entire Torah, only then could we accomplish this mission, fulfill this purpose, this divine purpose, why God created the world in the first place.
0: In contrast, the spiritual service of the angels, with intellectual fear and love, does not call for ugliness at all. Rather, it is a mode of departure alone. For they are in a state of longing and self-munification to godliness. The true intention of creation is that godliness be drawn down below, not a state of departure.
1: So when the person is trying to leave his ego and rise above his ego and reach a level of egolessness, so you're departing from this world. You want to leave this world behind. You feel trapped. You feel limited. You feel imprisoned. And you're trying to go beyond your limits. And you're trying to become egoless and become, go beyond yourself. Which is all praiseworthy and beautiful. But you're not fulfilling the purpose, Hashem's purpose. The divine purpose is not to empty your life, as in all the Eastern mysticisms. The, the divine purpose is to fill your life. Fill your life with godliness. Fill your thoughts. Not to go to a level where there are no thoughts. A level where there are no words. A level where there, there is no self and there is no ego and there is no time and there is no space. That's what you yearn for. That's what the angels are yearning for. That's what we But that's not what Hashem desires. Hashem desires that there are words and there are thoughts and there is time and there is space and there is I but I fill my I I fill my thoughts I fill my words I fill my actions I fill my day-to-day life with Godliness that's the purpose you're doing business six days a week you're doing business one day a week Shabbos wouldn't have been nicer if we had six days a week Shabbos (laughs) one day a week work six days a week work and one day a week Shabbos (laughs) <laughs> would have been nice? But that's the whole purpose of, of that's the whole purpose of creation. Hashem wanted us to fill the world with holiness and godliness. There should be words, and there are thoughts, and that's only through Torah. One day a week you have Shabbos. One day a week you withdraw inwardly. One day a week, and every day you have. When you pray, when you pray, you're climbing the ladder. You're going, you're reaching a level, a state of egolessness. You're reaching a higher level of consciousness. That's beautiful. Like he said earlier, as long as it serves a means to an end. That after Shabbos you go back into the work week, and the next six days you're going to stand in, the, in your office and, pers- but you, you're, you're elevated because of that Shabbos, so you'll be able to fulfill your mission. You pray in order that after the prayer you should come down and then you're going to learn and you're going to learn Torah and you're going to do mitzvot and you you go about your daily life, your career, but do it in the Jewish way. Fill your life with holiness. Fill your life with godliness. Fill your life with Hashem. Your day-to-day life. Your simple day-to-day life. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole point. That's what it's really all about. To know Hashem in all your ways. Hashem is with you all the time not just in a mystical moment in a spiritual sublime otherworldly moment so if you stay stuck in outer space marooned in outer space and you never come back down to earth it's a big problem when they send astronauts out there and they come marooned they almost almost, Apollo 6 which was Apollo 6 almost got marooned out there that's the danger that's the danger of Kabbalah. That's why they had all these restrictions of studying Kabbalah. Because most people studied Kabbalah and they, 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 they it had a, a negative effect. They became marooned in outer space. They missed the whole point of what it's all about. The exact opposite of what the Kabbalah was meant to be. Now Shimon Ba'echei, the ultimate Kabbalist, he was firmly grounded in this world he spent most of his time studying Allah and Gemara and he was one of the greatest Torah scholars in the revealed part of it and throughout all the ages all the great mystics were the greatest Torah scholars so going up is very important as a means to an end that's it when it becomes an end in itself you're (laughs) marooned you're you're lost you're so lost you're so clueless that it's not even funny
0: Thus we may understand how angels are created ex nihilo through the study of the Torah even without proper intent when such study is only in a state of ruach, which is not divinity at all. The intended state is neshama, which is divinity. However, when the kavana is lacking and one study is merely at the level of ruach, how are angels created ex nihilo when such creation derives only from divinity?
1: So we learned earlier in the earlier essays from the The Zohar, the Kabbalah, when you study Torah and when you pray properly, you create an angel. Depending on the level of prayer, depends how robust your angels are. (laughs) Um, When you sin, you also create an angel, a negative negative angel. Hopefully our negative angels are a little crippled, a little uh, (laughs) not, not so robust. Because a Jew, the moment he sins, he feels guilty. It's not exactly 100%. No Jew ever sins 100%, unless he's psychotic. Um, But when you do a mitzvah, and you pray properly, and you study Torah with the proper intent, you're elevated to the level of neshama, which is divine. So that makes sense, how you can create an angel. Because you're reaching the divine, you're touching the divine, you're touching the level of neshama. But when you study Torah without any positive intent not any negative intent either I'm not learning it for egotistical purposes I'm not learning Torah to brag to show off how brilliant I am and to be respected in the community it's not a career for me being a rabbi is not a career it's, it's I'm worshipping Hashem I'm a Jew and I have to do what's right and I'm studying Torah but I'm not thinking about godliness there's no lofty intentions so the Torah is elevated but it's only elevated to the level of ruach which is created, the level of created. So if it's created, how can that Torah create angels? Something that's created can create something else. Only, when, only the divine, only God has the ability to create. So when you study Torah with, with lishma, with the right purpose and the right intent, that makes sense. How that Torah could give birth to new angels or, or a very intense prayer, a very deep, powerful prayer touching the divine that makes sense how that prayer can give birth to angels but if he study Torah without the proper intent and the Torah just ascends to the level of ruach it doesn't reach higher which is a level of created created energy how could that Torah give birth to angels and the answer is
0: still nevertheless i.e. even though these words of Torah are studied without proper intent the name of Hashem does dwell within. As explained earlier, even a created angel is called by the divine name at the time that he is carrying out his mission. Because at that time, Hashem abides within him. So too, since Hashem abides within the words of the Torah, angels to be created ex nihilo. This will suffice to
1: the understanding. So with this explanation, it makes sense that, that even though you're just reaching the level of Ruach, but the Torah, even on the level of Ruach, the Torah is like an agent. Of the divine, of the infinite. So, since it's an agent of the infinite, so at that moment, at that point, it's not a level of created energy. It represents Hashem, which is infinite. Therefore, that Torah has the power to create a new entity, to create angels, new angels. Okay, so we finished essay number four. This class is part of the Lessons in
0: Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.